Chapters 42 and 43 of The Shepherd of the Hills. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Emily Jomard. The Shepherd of the Hills by Harold Bell Wright. Chapter 42 The Way of the Lower Trail. Fix the light as it was, please. That's it. Thank you, doctor. How beautiful she is. How beautiful. He seemed to gather strength and looked carefully into the face of each member of the little group about the bed. The shepherd, old Matt, Aunt Molly, Pete, and the physician. Then he turned his eyes back to the painting. To the watchers, the girl in the picture, holding her brimming cup, seemed to smile back again. I loved her. I loved her. She was my natural mate. My other self. I belonged to her. She to me. I... I can't tell you of that summer. When we were together. Alone in the hills. The beautiful hills. Away from the sham and the ugliness of the world that men have made. The beauty and inspiration of it all I put into my pictures. And I knew because of that they were good. I knew they would win a place for me. And they did. Most of all, I put it there. He pointed to the painting on the wall. And the crowd saw it, and felt it, and did not know what it was. But I knew. I knew. All the time, I knew. Oh, if that short summer could have been lengthened into years, what might I not have done? Oh, God! that men can be so blind, so blind. For a time he lay exhausted, his face still turned toward the picture, but with eyes closed as though he dreamed. Then suddenly he started up again. Raising himself on his elbows, his eyes opened wide, and on his face a look of wondering gladness. They drew near. Do, do, you hear? She is calling. She is calling again. Yes, sweetheart. Yes, dear. I, I am come. Then old Matt and Aunt Molly led the shepherd from the room. And this way runs the trail that follows the lower level, where those who travel as they go look always over their shoulders with eyes of dread, and the gloomy shadows gather long before the day is done. Chapter 43 Poor Pete They buried the artist in the cave as he had directed, close under the wall on the ledge above the canyon. 
with no stone or mark of any sort to fix the place. The old mine which he had discovered was reached by one of the side passages far below in the depth of the mountain. The grave would never be disturbed. For two weeks longer Dr. Coughlin stayed with his friend, out on the hills with him all day, helping to cook their meals at the ranch, or sitting on the porch at the Matthews place when the day was gone. When the time finally came that he must go, the little physician said, as he grasped the shepherd's hand, "'You're doing just right, Daniel, just right. Always did. Always did. Blast it all. I would stay, too, but what would Sarah and the girls do? I'll come again next spring, Daniel, sure. Sure, if I'm alive. Don't worry, no one will ever know. Blast it all. I don't like to leave you, Daniel. Don't like it at all. But you are right. Right, Daniel.' The old scholar stood in the doorway of his cabin to watch the wagon as it disappeared in the forest. He heard it rattle across the creek bottom below the ruined cabin under the bluff. He waited until from away up on Compton Ridge the sound of wheels came to him on the breeze that slipped down the mountainside. Still he waited, listening, listening, until there were only the voices of the forest and the bleeding of the sheep in the corral. Slipping a book in his pocket and taking a luncheon for himself and Pete, he opened the corral gate and followed his flock to the hills. All that summer Pete was the shepherd's constant companion. At first he seemed not to understand. Frequently he would start off suddenly for the cave, only to return after a time with that look of trouble upon his delicate face. Mr. Howitt tried to help the boy and he appeared gradually to realize in part. Once he startled his old friend by saying quietly, "'When are you going, Dad?' "'Going where? Where does Pete think Dad is going?' The boy was lying on his back on the grassy hillside watching the clouds. He pointed upward. "'There. Where he went. Up there in the white hills.' Pete knows. The other looked long at the lad before answering quietly. Dad does not know when he will go, but he is ready any time now. Pete says better not wait long, Dad, cause Pete he's a-goin', and course when he goes I've got to go long. Do you reckon Dad can see Pete when he is up there in them white hills? Some folks used to laugh at Pete when he told about the white hills, the flower things, the sky things, and the moonlight things that play in the mists. And once a fellow called Pete a fool, and young Matt, he whipped him awful. But folks wasn't really to blame, cause they couldn't see him. That's what he said. And he knew, cause he could see him too. But Aunt Molly and Uncle Matt and you all, they don't never laugh. They just say, Pete knows. But they couldn't see the flower things or the tree things neither. Only he could see. The summer passed, and when the blue-gray haze took on the purple touch and all the woods and hills were dressed with cloth of gold, Pete went from the world in which he had never really belonged 
nor had been at home. Mr. Howitt, writing to Dr. Coughlin of the boy's death, said, Here and there among men there are those who pause in the hurried rush to listen to the call of a life that is more real. How often have we seen them, David, jostled and ridiculed by their fellows, pushed aside and forgotten, as incompetent or unworthy. He who sees and hears too much is cursed for a dreamer, a fanatic or a fool, by the mad mob, who, having eyes, see not, ears and hear not, and refuse to understand. We build temples and churches, but will not worship in them. We hire spiritual advisers, but refuse to heed them. We buy Bibles, but will not read them. Believing in God, we do not fear Him. Acknowledging Christ, we neither follow nor obey Him. Only when we can no longer strive in the battle for earthly honors or material wealth do we turn to the unseen but more enduring things of life. And, with ears deafened by the din of selfish war and cruel violence, and eyes blinded by the glare of passing pomp and folly, we strive to hear and see the things we have so long refused to consider. Pete knew a world unseen by us, and we, therefore, fancied ourselves wiser than he. The wind in the pines, the rustle of the leaves, the murmur of the brook, the growl of the thunder, and the voices of the night, were all understood and answered by him. The flowers, the trees, the rocks, the hills, the clouds, were to him not lifeless things, but living friends, who laughed and wept with him as he was gay or sorrowful. Poor Pete, we said. Was he in truth, David, poorer or richer than we? They laid the boy beside his mother under the pines on the hills. The pines that showed so dark against the sky when the sun was down behind the ridge. And over his bed the wild vines lovingly wove a coverlid of softest green, while all his woodland friends gathered about his couch. Forest and hill and flower and cloud sang the songs he loved. All day the sunlight laid its wealth in bars of gold at his feet, and at night the moonlight things and the shadow things came out to play. Summer and autumn slipped away, the winter passed. Spring came with all the wonder of the resurrection of flower and leaf and blade. So peace and quiet came again into the shepherd's life. When no answer to his letter was received, and the doctor did not return as he had promised, the old man knew that the last link connecting him with the world was broken. End of chapters 42 and 43